Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to, has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities, and where real talk lives. Online at fcbradio.com. FCB. If you like the way I talk, then why am I on your mind? If you like the way I rock, then why are we wasting time? We fight and we argue, you'll soon love me blind. If we don't miss this whole thing, I'm guaranteed I can blow your mind. Why? And tonight I'm alive in a dollar sign, guaranteed I can blow your mind. Hey everybody, it's Kira here. You are listening to Just Listen to Yourself with Kira Davis, and this is our live episode that we did on my uh, visit to Cleveland, where I visited the home office of FCB Radio Network, and it was so cool to be there with the with my colleagues and the crew, and they just treated me like a queen, and of course that's what they call me out there, the queen, So, and I don't hate it. But we had so much fun. We have new offices 
So we like hung out there and dreamed together and laughed together. And it just really felt good to be with family. And I held my first live show, which I was nervous for, but really excited about and can't believe that people actually came out to see it. You guys were the guinea pigs. And I really appreciate it because we learned a lot from doing that show that will apply to the next show. Obviously, we kind of threw it together. So, I mean, for what it was, I was just thrilled. And the most important part was just getting to meet the people who listen to this show we had a great time after the show didn't we guys if you're like me you're still recovering um I want to thank Jenny Duncan for bringing a beautiful birthday package for me she brought me a bunch of stuff but among it a literal shot glass <laughs> and the third book in C.S. Lewis's space trilogy which is a little private joke between us because Jenny reads the last of a book first so she's not surprised and which I find absolutely tragic and abhorrent. But being a Christian woman, you know, I, I forgive Jenny and I just accept her for who she is. I just think, you know, that, that God calls us to, to that. Jesus calls me to love even people like Jenny. So she, I'm <laughs> kidding, I do love Jenny. And it was, I felt, Jenny, am I right? It felt like we were already friends. It felt like I was just, I didn't even feel like, oh my gosh, I'm finally seeing, seeing Jenny for the first time in person. I just felt like we've always been friends and this is, you know, this is just another time we get to see each other. I had such a great time. Tara came and she had the most killer Louboutins on. Oh my gosh. Rev JC was there. A bunch of other folks. I had a great time. Here's the downside. I learned a few things about what I have the ability to remember and I don't remember as much as I used to so I kind of forgot one of the key elements that I needed to record the sound from the live show and uh and therefore we just had to record raw sound we couldn't run it through the mics unfortunately it is totally my fault I take full responsibility but we are obligated to release this episode to you uh, so uh, you know I don't want to I don't, I, you know, I don't want to cause any contractual issues. So I'm going to release this with the caveat that the sound is very raw. It's, it's not that pleasant. It's easier to listen to on a speaker rather than in your headphones, I think. Uh, and I hope you'll forgive me. And I hope the people at the show will forgive me for some of the technical issues that we had. But regardless, we had a great discussion. I had my colleague Alex Harper on from NAP. Not another political podcast. He was amazing. I have never met Alex in person. What an amazing guy. So cool. So we had a really good time. The crowd was lit. It was small but lit. I can't ask for more. And then we went and we drank and we talked and we, I don't know. It felt like being with friends. That's what it felt like. I was trying to, I get really emotional about this stuff. I was trying to take in every moment because I knew looking around that room that it would be the last time that I would ever have to actually be that close and intimate with like my listeners and my, I hate to call y'all fans, but you know, my fan friends, my fan friends. <laughs> I was thinking about that. Like as the show gets more popular, it's becoming more and more difficult to really like socialize with all the people that I want in public because there's more and more of them where I go. So I was just like 
soaking in every second thinking like I'm so grateful to have this time with these core people who are here to support me so thank you for coming to the live show those of you who did those of you who are sad because you missed it and and you're you're thinking that you missed out no I'm coming to you this was not believe me we did not put all this effort in for this to be the first and only we will be doing more as we hone our techniques and hone the professional nature of this uh, you will see us coming to you and then I'm probably going to do some because I was so happy with the turnout and so happy with getting to meet my JLTY listeners I'm probably going to do some just casual meetups here in California so if you're a California listener and you think gosh what would it be like to meet Kira at a bar I'm probably going to do a couple of those I'm probably going to do um, southern central or probably southern central and north or either just south and north maybe not central Central gets sketch. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Anyways, let's get to this show. This is the live version of Just Listen to Yourself. Again, I apologize for the sound. If you stick with it, though, I think you'll really get some great nuggets out there. And it was it's a really good taste of how we were all interacting that night. Thank you again to everyone who put this together. Thank you to my producer, Darvio, and the whole FCB Radio Network family. Thank you to everybody who took the time and your money to come out and see me and chat with me. Uh, I had the time of my life, and that's no exaggeration. Enjoy the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so glad to see all of you. I am so happy. I can't believe that you guys came out to support this live show. I was coming to Cleveland anyway, and I thought, let's see if we can do a live performance, a live show, because as you guys know, what I engage in is conversation. And I'm going to tell you the truth. I honestly thought nobody was going to come. <laughs> so the fact that people like came from miles and miles away yes. is like very humbling. So thank you. We are and so happy to be here. Oh, so well, thank you, Tara. Jenny. <laughs> I'm so excited to see everybody. We're going to hang out after this is over. But to start off, what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn on my little um, recording here. And we're just going to engage in some conversation. Uh, I've got Alex here, and I'm going to put him on the spot for some things. Sorry about that. All right. All right. I always hear you as Harp. Harp, yes. And I was wondering what your name was because I kept hearing Alice. I'm gonna blame Colin for that. Yeah, I'm gonna blame Colin for that. My my, my so co-host Colin Jackson. Yeah, Colin, Colin tends to slur my first name. My first name is Alex. Colin was supposed to be here tonight, but he went to go get engaged or something. <laughs> something completely not important. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, uh, me and Harp will take care of it. Okay, so um, how do I want to start out? Why did I start JLTY? Started JLTY because I thought that there were some concepts out there that um, that to me seemed simple, but I would hear people talk and hear people chat, and I would think, like, are you even hearing what you're saying? Like, you're not really thinking this out. You haven't drawn out this position all the way to the logical conclusion, and I think. Some people feel like it's going to be uh, 
you know, I'm saying something very important, saying something very deep. But I mean, when you actually examine what it is, it's like actually you've not said anything at all. And of course, politicians are the best at this. But in our soundbite culture, I think we all can slide into the idea that we're like we're armchair experts, and I'm going to hit you with this one line, and boom, I won the argument. That's because we have a meme culture. Everybody sees yeah, the memes and the little captions on their memes, and it's like that's oh, right. Yeah, if I can just say something witty enough to catch people's attention. Yeah. Yeah. So. yeah. I'm gonna ask you to hold that mic a little closer to your mouth. I'm so sorry. Yeah. No, that's okay, because this is gonna how we're gonna pick up this recording. Um I forgot my laptop, which is supposed to be recording. Um anyways, yeah, so I started JLTY thinking who is gonna listen to um this random person talk about concepts that I think are fairly simple. And it turns out that a lot of people and people of all stripes, you know, I have a lot of friends in the punditry class who are like, I listen to the show because it really does help me clarify, you know, what I'm thinking. I, I was on uh, with Stacey Washington the other night, and I'm a big fan of Stacey, Stacey on the right, Stacey Washington, I'm a huge fan of hers. And for her to say, oh, I, uh, I love your show, like I listen to it so that so so that you you help me clarify and I'm like yeah but Stacy you're way smarter than I am Stacy's way smarter than I am I'm like what have, what do I have to teach you and she's like it's just something about how you can simplify concepts and for me one of the things and I've told the story on the podcast before but I've had this idea when I started doing uh, punditry that I was going to be like a super sophisticated pundit and I was going to be like National Review and I was going to work for the Atlantic and I would talk to all of the smartest people and I would be, you know, with every, whatever pundit name you had that you love, that's, I was going to be in that class. And then I would get feedback from people who would say, well, you just, you just make these things seem so simple to me. And I'd be like, oh, I know, I'm, not being, I'm smart, you know, I use a lot of big words. Why, you know, I'm never going to make it on the... The NRO crews or whatever they they do. <laughs> and um, by the way, Darby, no, FCB needs to have a cruise at some point. So yeah, be on point. make that happen. It would be awesome. <laughs> make that happen. <laughs> um, and then, but then my husband one day was saying, but don't you understand that that's the gift? Yeah. That, that's a lot of people, thank you. <laughs> a lot of people can talk over anybody's head, but... You know, who are you talking to? The punditry class, most of the people you meet, they're not that great. And they're not people that you can really sit and talk to. They seem like they will be, and then you talk to them, and it's like, oh, they think they spend so much time thinking that they don't even know how to, like, have a genuine conversation. So, and I won't name any names, but there's a couple people that I've met that I've been really excited to meet, and then I realize, oh, this person is genuinely awkward. They can't really they express it well on the page, right? So JLTY is about conversation as we move forward with more live shows. Thank you for being my guinea pigs, by the way. Give yourself a round of applause. As JLTY uh, moves forward with more of these shows, this is what it will be like, a conversation. So I asked uh, Hart to sit with me today, and I said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to I asked you guys to submit some questions, and some of the listeners submitted questions. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to run down these questions. And since it's really small here, I mean, feel free to, like, hit us back with some stuff. Feel free to jump in with some questions. 
this is we should take advantage of this being intimate. Um, so definitely feel free. Like you, you don't have to be an audience member. You can be a, a participant as well. All right. First things first. Um, all right. I'm going to. I'm trying to get this mic thing down. I feel, I feel lazy because I'm like holding it the way you hold it. I'll figure it out. It's okay. okay. You, you figure on. it out. I'm used to holding mics. I like it because I like the sound of my own voice. So. <laughs> I love microphones. I mean, even if there was one person in here, I would have had a microphone. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to put the first question to you, audience. So raise your hand if you want to answer this question. And I'm, gonna hope, I'm hoping everybody will answer it at least once tonight. What's the best piece of advice you've ever got? Tara. From my mother when I had a child, she said, never tiptoe around the baby or you will always tiptoe around the baby. Ooh. Ooh, never tiptoe around the baby because you will always tiptoe around the baby. That kid can sleep through anything now. You know what? That is so true. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, yes. I love that piece of advice. I wish someone had given that to me, but I also did try not to be too tiptoey, but I think you're right. Yeah. Don't tiptoe around the baby. And that's advice that we can take, we can apply that around everything, even around this political conversation, right? If you spend your whole life tiptoeing around, around controversy and tiptoeing around the things that are hard to say, you're never going to get to the honest conversation. You're never going to get to the good people because you never you never know who they are. No, and, and to that to that point, if you continuously tiptoe against those uh, away from those controversial topics, now that's I guess in essence would be the baby. So now, yeah. so now you're consistently throughout your career, you're going to constantly always have to tiptoe around the controversial subject. Just simply because that's how you began. Yeah. And we run into that a lot of times with people, especially in this political commentary, where they've taken their whole career of not saying anything controversial or staying on both sides of the fence. And now that, you know, because you have, you have some that want to branch out. Yeah. Now they feel, you know, especially with the recent events, now they feel as though they want to use their platform for different reasons. But to her point, they've been tiptoeing around the babies for so long. Is that now they're always going to tiptoe around the baby? Mm, that's going to become a meme. See? Yeah. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> uh, tiptoeing around the baby. That's going on a shirt. Okay. Hart, you pick the first prize. Tara, you get a prize, but Hart's the prize picker. All right, wait, before I let, let me explain to you. I don't have anything good. I went around my house and I was like, what do I have that I could put in a bag? And people can go home with. So what you I have I have forgotten even what's in this bag, so good luck. Please don't forget 
scripture. And just as a, as a point of reference, she, Kira is absolutely right. She told me literally as we were walking out, I have no idea what's in this bag. So, so I told her, I said, I'm going to feel for whatever is the most interesting feeling, and then that's where we're going to pass out. Okay. That's a little creepy. <laughs> and at the same time. I take no responsibility for what's in there. You guys bought the tickets. Touche. <laughs> Touche. Yeah, you don't even want to know what's in Darbio's car. Wendy brought me my racist antique statue, and I made her drag all the way from Virginia. I'll bring it now. I don't want to offend too many people, but I had to justify myself to Harp earlier. Listen, I'm out. You have great friends. I do have good friends. friends. I'm going to make a horror movie about somebody who makes her white friends buy racist art. The art curses them. <laughs> you tell them, oh, you're, you're real woke, though, if you, if you get this. Yeah. Again, I'm still, wondering, person. I'm still wondering about that point of sale altercation of, hey, yeah, yeah. let me get this racist item that I know is racist. Yeah, like, Wendy, did anybody look at you funny when you buy my racist stuff? Uh, no, because those antique people, you know. They'll buy anything. Yeah. Exactly. That's what I was saying, right? It's antique yeah. people. You're better, listen, you're a better friend than any friend I have. <laughs> All right, let's get started. Let's ask some hard questions here now, Harp. Uh, first question, um, this is from my subscriber page, davisnation.locals.com. And I think I'll ask this question because it's the one I get the most from, from people and talk about the most on the show. Which would be why do so many black people vote Democrat when Democrat-run urban centers are the worst areas to live in as a black constituent? And Darby and I were having a really interesting conversation earlier about this idea of of how like we kind of wrestle back the cities and how we how we appeal to the needs of people while at the same time like there's a lot of rot in local government that has to be dug out. And how does that happen? Um, but I'll I'll answer first, and then I'm going to hand it to you, Hart. You bounce off this. Tell me what you think. I think that a lot of I always say government goes to those who show up. And Darbio was saying earlier that in, in in Cleveland earlier this year, right, that 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 y'all had tried to get a, a Republican headquarters in in the hood, in one of the hoods, and the Republicans wouldn't do it. So, how are you supposed to appeal to people? I think a lot of us think like, oh, this is common sense. Why wouldn't you just know that this is the right way to vote? Or that this is, you know, that these are the intentions that these people have. But it's not always common sense. Because when you're looking around and trying to put food on the table or struggle to get to work or trying to figure out daycare for your kids, you're looking around to see who's there to help. Even though, yeah, okay, if I put two and two together, things around me aren't that great, but still the only people that are showing up are from this Democrat-run group or this liberal group or this left-wing group. So it, it goes to who shows up, and that's who's showing up. I always use the Ahmaud Arbery case because I, I, I can remember getting a letter from somebody saying, um, you know, I, I think that that was a good case for us to take up for and, and to be upset about, but... I just don't trust those pe- the parents because they hired Al Sharpton and, they, and he's, he's a race hustler and I don't trust him. And, uh, and I agree with that, by the way, but I would say, well, what's the conservative 
lawyer that went in there and said, let me represent your family. What is she supposed to do? She's not made of money. She took the help that came to get justice for her son. So we're, we're not there offering, Republicans and conservatives will, will you know, spend a million dollars to fight for your Second Amendment rights, but when's the last time you saw a Republican or conservative uh, group come in and say, I want to represent you in this police brutality case. I want to represent your family in this. So that's what that's how I feel about it. What do you think? So I, I believe it's twofold. So I, I believe one of the biggest things was simply the narrative that I'm, I'm going to use Democrats just because that's the point of reference that we use for the conversation. But the narrative that the successful narrative that has been able to have been pushed by Democrats that all Republicans want to do is be the villain, I guess for the better, for lack of a better term. So you, if you can make a certain party that's opposite of you, of course, the villain in public perception, now that also takes away their ability to go into those same neighborhoods and try to be productive without saying, hey, we're going to give up, basically without having the same narrative and the same message that the Democrats have had so long. Because a lot of the Democrats' messages have been, we're going to help you and they're not. We're going to help you and they're not. So we're going to keep passing these laws to, to give you, give you, give you, give you, um, and they're not going to do it. They're going to fight us at every turn. Anything that doesn't get done was because they wouldn't let us do it. So now you have a built-in villain. You have a built-in boogeyman, you know, per se. So now it's harder for Republicans, conservatives, to come in and do actual good because it's an automatic wall that's put up. It's a defense that's put up simply because, you know, you're red or you have an R on your lapel. And it's not... How do, you, how do you combat that? I mean, I think everything you're saying is true, and but then at the same time, is, is the response to just be like, oh, well, I guess that's what guys. Yeah, and that's what I was going to get. So, so it's, you can't give up on the mission to help people if that's really your mission. If you're, you're, your goal and your mission is to really help people, it doesn't matter if you're met with resistance. Because your your objective and goal is to help. And so your should be results driven. Did this help? You quantify it with different data. How do we know that this actually helped? Or what did we do may have had adverse react or um may have had consequences that we didn't intend on. Yeah. You know, so so continuing and then not having that stop. So you're allowing yourself to be portrayed as this villain, as this boogeyman by stopping. You know, if you can't, right, you can't right. continue to tell me that right. this person is not here to help me, if they continue to try to help, me, yeah, you know, despite you know my pushback and they keep trying to help, keep trying to help. So now there's no way you can come in and convince me that they're away from you. And then to your point, if you just sit back and say, "Oh, they didn't let us do it," so oh well, then now you're actually becoming the villain that you were portrayed prior to those decisions. Yeah, and I've heard quite a few Republicans say even just. Uh, just this week, that you know, well, if black people are never going to vote Republican, why do we? Why do we even want to spend that much time and effort on this? Because if we're only thirteen percent of the population and dropping, we're definitely not the quote most important minority anymore. Well, because it's against logic. Like, so if you're going in, like, it's only logical for you to vote for us. It's only the, it's the logical thing to do. So it's against logic. So now, once you go against logic, it's like, well. What else am I really supposed to do? The, you know, it, it, I, I can only keep putting in front of you that this makes sense. 
before I stop trying to put it in front of you. But, you know, it makes sense to me. So, and I'm not saying that's the right thing to do, but I right. can see where that ideology comes from. I think I can, yeah, I think I can see it too, or how it would feel. And I actually have a, a question or a comment regarding this, which I'm going to get to, I think, down the road, because I, I, I got something up, I saw a comment on the internet that really kind of rocked me. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hot topics, celebrity news, in-depth interviews, and a whole lot more. It's the Outlaws Radio Show. Listen on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast today. That's the Outlaws Radio Show. Uh, well, actually, let me get to it right now because I think. Go ahead and pull it up. Yeah. Go ahead and pull it up. Uh, does anyone else have the best advice they ever got? What's the best piece of advice you ever got? You've had plenty of time to think about so, it. You could get. You go, you go for it. <laughs> okay, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do this again. Yeah, Jenny. Mine comes later in life. 
student come back to my high school and say, decide now what principles you want to live by when you leave home. Because when you get in that situation and you're in the middle of something, it's too late. So if you decide you are going to do this or not going to do that, decide it now. And so then when I went off to college, it was she was right. So I already know the side of your principles like, are before you go into the situation. I'm not telling place. you what's right or what's wrong. You decide, and then you tell yourself, after I leave, I'm going to do this and not do this because this is important to me. I love that. Yeah, that is that, so good. You know what's even better is that somebody came back from college and said to let you know that. You know, because yeah. that's almost like, I guess, one of those back to the future situations yeah. where they're like, hey, you're going to need this in a couple years, but you may not know it. I love that. And I think as a political pundit, I, that's actually how I feel. So, because there's so many, there are so, as more successful you get, the more temptations there are out there for you to lean one way or the other, for you to go in hard on this issue and not that issue for you to throw in with this person and not that person. And it can feel like um, you're giving up opportunities sometimes, but you, for me, you know, I don't have, I don't struggle to say no to things that I know aren't healthy for my career or even for what I believe because I know what I believe as a pundit. And I'm only a pundit because, because I care about my community and that's how I even got started in politics in the first place. So it's going to, it's going to contradict my mission of, of making America more prosperous for black people in general and all Americans in general, you know, then it's easy for me to say no. And, and it's easy for you, and to your point, as the more you're going to get more and more temptations the higher you climb. Right. And, you know, it's just the nature of the beast. Oh, yeah, it's right. a lot out there. Yeah. Yep. So, so, so to her point and kind of message too, is that if you have a hard point of I'm not going this route, this is not, I'm not going to become this, we'll say, for lack of a better term. I'm not going to become this person yeah. with this type of personality. That gives you that ability to weed out those, you know, those opportunities that seem great, but are going to start to push you toward yeah. the direction that you want. You see that happen a lot of, with your favorite political pundits. Don't you, isn't there somebody you have, you're like, he used to be so cool, but now he's like seeing like they've gone off the deep end. But that's what happens when you start to stray. Yeah, you, you have to be more and more controversial, you oh, you have to be like more crazier and crazier to get the clicks, and it or, becomes a, or the opposite. Or you either you either start controversial, and then to get clicks, you go more toward the other end, where not you sound controversial, but yeah. in reality, you're towing the line of a yeah. different agenda. You know, but it seems controversial because these are no longer your independent thoughts, right? Because you you know took a left and you should have took a right. That's a good point. All right. What do we got? I even forgot about that. Right? <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, okay. There okay. you go, Jenny. Okay. It's a towel and napkin set, and it says, I'm afraid if I give up wine. What's it say? Uh, I'm afraid if I give up wine. There you go. Yeah. 
I'll have to replace it with murder. 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 Okay. Gosh, I wonder why I had that in my house. These are all things that were in my home. Okay. These are great. Okay, we can use them tonight. We'll we'll use them on drinks. Okay. Um, so I I read uh, I was reading doing some internet trolling and I found a thread that was uh, like what a, it asked white people like what's one thing you wish black people knew about you? Usually it's the opposite question, right? But I was like, this is interesting. What's one thing that you wish black people knew about you? So I found this response, and I think it goes with what we were just talking about before this last prize, because it really spoke to me. This woman says, um, she says, I'm afraid of hurting you or making you uncomfortable because I know your lives are so already so full of white people bullshit that I sometimes cut off my chances to make more connections out side of my white friends group. And this woman says, I'm also gay, and as a woman who has been catcalled and harassed and sexually abused by men, I also feel very nervous to flirt with other women or ask them out. Because I know how much BS women in America already have to deal with, and I don't want to add to it by accident. But that anxiety means I don't approach women romantically, and I don't approach black folks as often as I'd like to. I'm only sabotaging myself, and a chance to make new connections, but it's difficult not to feel like, as a white person, you're a wrecking ball who has every chance of hurting those around you, and the best thing you can do is leave people alone. I thought that was so deep. Yeah, that was deep. Can I answer that? Can I answer yes, that? please. So, I don't personally feel as though every, and I'm just going to speak to you guys this. Yeah. <laughs> so, but I don't personally believe every white person is evil, out to get us, racist, or anything like that. Like, that's just not. And I and a lot of the people, a lot of the black people that I encounter don't feel that way either. Like it's a situation where you know when you're not wanted, you know when you're being looked at in a certain light, a certain stereotype. But it's not like. And, and I'm only saying this because she seemed like she had reservations about approaching black people and speaking in a social setting. It's not in that way where every white person that comes to talk to me, I'm automatically thinking negatively. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's just, this is not. Like, I, I just don't, and I don't want to say it in a messed up way, I just don't look at white people like that. It's just not what, what, I, what I feel. I feel like there's a bigger system, you know, but, you know, each individual person isn't any, you know, anything or like, like for example, you're not trying to oppress me. I don't feel as though you're trying to oppress so every day, man. <laughs> but so 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 to her point of, of when I wrote the letter about feeling as though I don't want to approach, it's not so much approaching, it, it, and it's not in that way. It's more of because because that's sounding like social gathering yeah. networking. It yeah. doesn't seem like social random, situations. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. seem like random stranger on the street. It seems like you know maybe work gathering or something along those lines. And I don't ever think that, I, and I can't speak for all black people in life because I don't know all black people. Just, you don't? But, 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 I'm not related to every black person on the planet. <laughs> but, but, but saying that, I don't 
and, and again, the, the approach is always more important than the actual person that's doing the approach. You know, so if you're approaching someone black, white, green, blue, or otherwise, if you're approaching them in a way that they can feel disrespected or feel uncomfortable, that doesn't have anything to do with the actual skin color mm -hmm. or nationality. Yeah. So I think that would be something more to spend the energy in on the approach and how am I going to speak to this person as opposed to if I should speak to this person. I think just as like I said, just to answer kind of that point and any other point that may, you know, anybody might have that same situation, it's the approach. It's the how you introduce, because you're a stranger or if you're not a stranger, yeah. you know, you're... But don't you think that there's a lot of mixed messages running around right now? Like, yeah, yeah. do you guys feel that way? Yeah, yeah, I think so, and I think that's fair to say. And, you know, that, so to me, when I was reading it, that, it that, that term, a wrecking ball, that broke my heart because I think there's a lot of people, regardless of race, there's a lot of people out there who feel like they are a wrecking ball, period, and they don't want to interact because of whatever they've gone through in their childhood. Somebody has told them that they're not valuable. And I feel like we are in this era politically now where we're throwing these things around, we're throwing these concepts around, we're telling certain people that their opinions aren't valid, valuable, that they're not like, black people have had to deal with this for a long time. And I think it's really starting to be a situation that white people are now dealing with. It's even more so. And yeah, and it feels, and regardless of, you know, the tip for tat or this is fair, or hey, it was like this for a long time, and now it's going to be like this. Regardless of all that, the idea that one American would feel like I am not worthy to talk to another American because I feel like my very presence is a wrecking ball is heartbreaking, and it's no wonder that we all feel so separated and divided. And and that's why I always want to keep this conversation open and having. It's really awkward to talk about this stuff. You know, because you don't know who you're going to offend and you don't know who's not going to get you and, and you don't know who's going to uh, judge you for having reservations. I thought that was a very brave comment that this woman made. And you know what? On that thread that I found it on, she just got attacked for it. You know, that she's a coward. You know, and she's like, I'm just trying. The question was asked and I thought I was going to be honest about it. And that is my main issue with critical race theory, right? The way that we're attacking this in schools is that there are a lot of kids coming home from school feeling like that wrecking ball. And how do you how do you repair? How do you even begin to repair these relationships if if at one point at one time or if everybody in this conversation at one time or another is feeling like that wrecking ball instead of feeling like compatriots? And fellow citizens, yeah. how do we see and do this? No, and, and you're right. And I think part of it was is the way it's presented. So if you present it in a way of, um, I personally, I don't like the all black people are victims narrative pushing. Like I, I, I just don't believe that. Right. I, I, that's me personally. I believe that we adapt to whatever situation, circumstance that we're put in. Again, blue, white, green, or otherwise. Right. Um, but I think it's been presented and pushed kind of in the, in the and I don't, I don't like to use media because we're in media. So I, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't, <laughs> you know, so I don't like critique yeah, media, but we are the media. <laughs> but, but we're not like those media. Right, we're not like those <laughs> media people. <Yeah. laughs> but it, it's, kind of, it's kind of being portrayed as, especially critical race theory, is you're terrible and for all these things that you've done. 
Like, and to this generation of, you know, as we're moving forward, because we're supposed to be a progressive society. So the more and more we're getting away from that, it, you can't present it as you, 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 because we're making an effort to get away from it. So if you have someone that's actively not trying to be racist, and then you teach them, or their child, because we're talking about first race during school. Right, but if yeah. You, if you teach their child that you come from, again, nothing for any, you know, not nothing, but you come from the devil's spawn. You, 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 you. And there's a child. So now the parent is like, no, not at all. That's not how we, per se, live. Now that's where you have those conflicting issues. And I, and I think that if you present it in a way where we're presenting what, we're presenting history with historical context. Like, that's better than dividing it in the sense of race one way or the other. Right. I think with this whole CRT thing, we're having the wrong conversations. And and so, because that, the conversation of expanding on history is a valuable conversation to have. The conversation on shaming people right. is not. And that's, and that's, and and that's, that's, where, we're, that's, that's where we're at. Right. This isn't a... This isn't a you know, a meetup about CRT, and of course, I've tackled it on the show. You guys have on that, yeah. and I will continue to because I'm, I'm, ha I definitely this is where I've drawn my line in, in the sand. But also, um, it's hard to, to attack it because now we're at a spot where a lot of us are having two different conversations about it. Some people are talking about Black History, yeah, right, right. I'm not talking about that. I'm yeah. talking about critical race theory as it extends from critical legal studies, which is where it came out of, and now that this is a, a system where critical race theory is systemic racism. Yeah. That's what it is. It's a different buzzword. It's creating a system of racism in order to correct a system of racism. So then I would always say you can't correct a lie with another lie. So so and, and to your point, they just there's this legislation that just passed bipartisan uh, I think last week or a week, last maybe, maybe last week actually, a bill um, that just passed in Texas where they're teaching that, or they're putting in the curriculum that um, the Ku Klux Klan isn't morally wrong and they're taking that. Oh, uh, yeah, I did I, see Martin Luther uh, King out that, of yeah. Dream Speech, out Sacagawea, they're taking certain things out of the curriculum and putting other things in them. So I feel like that would be something that you can pinpoint and point to and say, hey, hold on, let's stop that. Yeah. You know, let's stop yeah. that as opposed to the whole broader picture of teaching critical race theory and because you can narrow that down and filter it to okay, what's appropriate to teach at what right. age and those type of things. But you have the legislation that's passing it's, again bipartisan, so it's not as if it's you know Yeah, one of them yeah. But it's being painted as the Republican led right. bipartisan. Well and I actually did read it. And it actually what it purports to do is to take certain things out so they can replace it with some of these. So it wasn't even a thing of, oh, we want to pretend these things don't exist. It was this, the, the head eating the tail. It was like, see, if we want to teach this stuff, then we got to make room for it. So we got to get rid of this other stuff. But we're, so we're never like getting to what we need, which is a full picture, right? Because right. politicians don't know how to create a full picture. They can only take... You know, they can only cut right. up, they can only remove. Well, because you can't show the full picture because sometimes that goes against the agenda. Right. I, well, can't, give, I can't give you the whole picture. I have to give you these snippets. I, right. have to, I have to filter it to you so that way you're going to believe the agenda that I'm pushing is better than whoever, right. you know. And this is all, I, I feel like this isn't even a conversation that 
we should be having in context of schools right now. And uh, the fact that we are, I think, is, is a testament to kind of where we are in education. But CRT actually has no place in K through 12 education. It's, it, it, is a, it is an academic study. You know, it, it comes at, it was made by Harvard law professors. And, that, and that's why, to, to your point earlier, is that you have critical race theory and you end up with two conversations and that turns into black history. Yes. Because in order to get to K through 12, it has to be. It has to be couched as that. Yeah. Black history. Yeah. So that's how we end up in that same situation. Yeah. And it, that's, it's, it's tainting the conversation. We're not being able, we're not allowed to have honest conversations about it. But I'm going to keep having those conversations. I, I, I've had some of these lessons come home with my kids. Um, I don't care for them. Uh, I find them to be dangerous. And I find this, all of this actually very unproductive uh, way, use of our time in this country right now. It, it's spinning wheels. It, yeah. It, yeah, it's really what it is. It's, it's, to, to move forward, we shouldn't have to worry about how it's being reported. Yeah. Right, and thank that, you. And that's, where, and that's where we're stuck at. We're stuck at how is it actually being reported as opposed to let's continue to move forward. Right. So we're, what, 60 years from segregation, segregated schools, somewhere around there. Mm -hmm. um, we're about 60 years yeah. from segregated schools. If, if you've ever listened to the show, I'll, I'll be wrong. <laughs> I, I, I don't have a problem being wrong because I, I feel like if you look it up to find out the specific detail of what I was saying in the context, you'll get my point. So, so I don't have a problem yeah. being off a year or two. Yeah. yeah. But um, so we're only say sixty years away from actual segregation, uh, like physical segregation. So now, what does that look like? What progress have we made in those sixty years from what schooling looked like as mm -hmm. us all being in the same room? Like, and, and I think that's when you look at the evolution of education. You look at the evolution of um, historical education, because that is completely different. Yeah, you know? yeah. And, and so if you look at the evolution of those two things, critical race theory, like to your point, is higher than what a regular K-12 curriculum would be. Thank you. you know? Right, it, yeah. It, it's, just, it's just too far advanced. Yeah. So now, yeah. But, but, but what happens is you have parents that are seeing the similar thing, but don't put it in the same light. So it's like, hey, I don't want my child learning about the Tulsa massacres in sixth grade. Mm -hmm. But now I look like a racist because I said I don't want them to learn about the Tulsa massacre. It's just not that, you know. Not, not in the sixth grade. The sixth or, grade yeah, right. right. So, so you're teaching them something that I also don't want my child to learn about too far in the sexual education in the sixth grade. Right, <laughs> right, so, right. That's a good point. But what happens is you... Finger, finger whack, finger whack. But how could you? How dare you not want to teach critical race theory? Well, I didn't say I didn't want to teach it. Right. Yeah, you know, I'm saying right. I don't want. Saying it doesn't belong in my kid's classroom when she's three or four or five. But then they get painted yeah. as a villain. Now they get right. painted as a racist. Now they get painted as prejudiced. Now they get painted right. as all these things. And when that wasn't the case, that's Miss <laughs> Ma'am. You got a comment? I have a comment. Okay. Yes. First of all, I think maybe the foundation or the Achilles heel for the racial injustices in America are based on the lack of empathy rather than sympathy. You don't have to be a blind person to be able to relate to what a blind person must have to go through without being able to see. So the lack of empathy, I think, is the Achilles heel and, and that's the rot 
in the system. Mm -hmm. That is so, so good. Mm -hmm. so, you know, yeah. so. I think, yep, yeah, that is so good. And I'm going to let you jump in yeah. here, but I think one of that really speaks to me because um, as school, public schooling has started, we do a lot with, with quote, empathy in public schools in California, right? We got Bully Week, we got Kindness Week. My friend Wendy will know, like, I hate Kindness Week at my kids' school. <laughs> I hate it, I'm so mean about it, but I'm like, but because it does the opposite. It actually doesn't teach empathy. What it's doing is teaching these kids to like check off a box. Yeah. Oh, this is what I did. Look, there's that black kid over there. I went and played with him and, and I can check this off the list and now I'm empathetic, but it doesn't have anything to do with knowing who you're with, knowing who you live with, knowing what their lives are and saying, and I say this on the show all the time too, like I don't necessarily understand your experience, but it's valid. And and it's yours, and so I don't totally get what you're saying, but I'm here with you anyway. I'm standing right next to you. Yes, ma'am. Wait a minute. And the other comment that was made regarding the, the appropriate age for kids to learn about various things in mm -hmm. life, I don't think any age is off the table. I think parents should have the ability to rationalize when their child is ready to hear something, if they're in preschool and they come home as a result of having been bullied, at that point in time, they're not too young to understand what bullying represents and that it's a bad thing and the repercussions behind being bullied and becoming a bully. So I don't think there is an age differential at all. I think it's based on the parent's logic in regards to how well they know their child. Yeah, see what you're talking about, we could do a whole show on this, because what you're talking about is parental power versus the power of the state and what the power can compel you to do in school. So, which is something that those of us who are for school choice, we struggle for, right? These are issues that happen with your parents. These are issues that parents should be able to, if I'm saying, if I'm going, you know, I'm saying, look, I don't feel like you're addressing this well in school. I should have a say in that. I yeah. should, right? Public school doesn't let you have that say. State, what works. The state believes that they can raise your children better than you. And a lot in public school, absolutely they do. But I'm going to let you get to it, Alex. So, so what so, you would. So, so two points, ma'am. And, and, and both of your points are, are absolutely right. So I'm going to go in reverse order. So the only reason. I'll turn. Yeah, I might turn your house up. All right, there we go. Um, the only reason I say is that the appropriate age for schooling, especially like wouldn't be necessarily K through 12. I'm really speaking more so the formal curriculum. Um, I, I absolutely believe that each one teach one. You're supposed to teach your child everything that you feel like your child is ready for at the time. Yes. Um, my parents are older. My, both my parents were older. My father fought in Vietnam. Um, when I was five years old, we moved from inner city Cleveland to the suburbs. Only black kid in the area. So, I was, he, my father took it upon himself to, to explain race to me earlier. Mm -hmm. He took it upon himself to point out different things that as a child I wouldn't have saw because it was, you know, overt racism, those type of things. So, so, so to that point, I feel like we're supposed to, as adults, to any child, black, white, green, otherwise, but you're supposed to teach any child their heritage, you're supposed to teach any child their morals and, and, and different customs of the family environment. 
And I, but I, I personally put that onus more on the adults around the child as opposed to in the hands of the schools. And, and the only reason I say that is because you can't tell my history like I can tell my history to my son. Well, that was my comment that the parent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what I, I that like. It, began, it begins in the home yes. to prepare you for what you're going to be subjected to outside of the home. That's yeah. that's what I, I, I like about that too. Yeah. All right, let's Absolutely. let's push this forward. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious Ready to Eat Meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. (laughs) I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and use my code, my code, JLTY50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code JLTY50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. (gasps) No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
hot topics, celebrity news, in-depth interviews, and a whole lot more. It's the Outlaws Radio Show. Listen on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast today. That's the Outlaws Radio Show. Do we have any more good advice? What's the other piece, best piece of advice? This prize bag is cool, you guys. All right, all right. Let's go to Miss Pat. All right. Since you, and then Wendy, you'll be next. All right. right. If you lie, you'll steal. Ooh. If you lie, you'll steal. Very true. That is so true. (laughs) And you can apply that to politics. Exactly. Right? This is why it's so important, I think, because sometimes we can, like, whitewash the, like, a politician gets caught in a lie and will be like, like, the whole Bill Clinton thing, like, I, re- I was a kid when it happened, but I remember, like, a lot of people going, well, who cares? You know, it's his business, you know, whatever he does with his girlfriends, or, but he lied about it, and if you lie, you'll steal. All right. We got a good question. A good prize. Oh, you got some playing cards. Oh, yeah. Thank you. Got some playing cards. All right, we can. Thank you. When, we're, when we wrap up here, we can go play some spades <laughs> later. Uh, I hadn't played spades in a really long time. And then, I was getting ready to ask you if you could play spades. I can, but I hadn't, I hadn't played in a long time. And then at Christmas, we went um, to hang out with my in laws. And so. Somebody was like, let's play some spades, you know. It got so ugly. <laughs> but my father-in-law made my niece cry. <laughs> He's like 30 years old. <laughs> he'd be like, she'd be getting ready to make a bid. And, and she'd be like, I'm a, he'd be like, <laughs> She just broke down in tears. I'm like, spades is for real serious. <laughs> I'm one of those serious fake <laughs> <laughs> My mother-in-law is the pastor. He's a bit like Mr. Jetto guy. That's over there. It's cutthroat. I'm one of those players that if, if I know that eight of club is good and you cut it, I'm like mad. Like, yes. It's an eight of club. Oh my goodness. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not great at spades, but okay. Um. I like this one. I think this is a good one. Okay. Um, oftentimes, this is more of a comment, but in the form of questions. So, oftentimes, when people are talking about racist remarks or microaggressions, they'll bring up things like name mispronunciation or asking where they're from. And then when somebody, usually a white person, brings up the fact that this is a common occurrence for them or where they live, it is dismissed. In my experience, this is common for many people. Most of the time, it's not malicious. They don't know or are curious. For some reason, no one could get my maiden name right simply because it was spelled differently than what they, they expect. Um, and so, in my and also in my neck of the woods, it's common to ask where you're from. So now I'm sure there are people who go farther out of bias or ignorance. But again, it's usually not. Um, so what do we do with this? How do we talk about this? How do we, if we even should challenge a, how do we, if, if we should even challenge a potentially false narrative without harm? 
So what is the difference between a microaggression and just being curious? I get this. I get this a lot. I'll, right. I'll say that um, for me, I find the, I find the concept of microaggressions ridiculous. And although we do do like I have my you know I like oh white people get on my nerves about this and that like I, we all have our thing right like or if you're Italian or like oh look at what Italians always do or like if you're Greek you know yeah. you talk to a Greek person they like oh we Greeks we always do. and I get it like there are some things that might annoy me like I do get annoyed um, if like oh like what, for instance my daughter has this huge afro she has this huge head of hair and when she was little where we would go people white people would reach out to touch it you know and she's a person you know even though she's a really was adorable two or three year old she's still a person and and i would be like you're touching my daughter you're touching a little girl you don't know her but you feel entitled to like grab this hair because it's, it was very luscious so it was very <laughs> tempting i do understand that Okay, that's something that annoyed me, but not something that I would paint as, as, oh, this is you being racist, or this is a microaggression, because what I'm seeing is somebody um, enjoying it and not knowing their boundaries. And, and so, so sometimes I get really annoyed by the thing. Plus, I think, like, I did a movie on Harriet Tubman, right? And I think about all the things that we call microaggressions that Harriet Tubman would be like, Excuse you. Right. Like I, I was sat in a uh, mosquito-infected swamp for three days just to have the right to call myself free. You know, so I'm not. I'm sorry that the, you got kids in college now want to separate their dorms, wanting to bring back segregation because they feel like this is, you know, this is how we'll keep ourselves safe. Wow. But, but and so here's, I guess here's my, and, and again, now, you know, we moved out to the suburbs when I was five. And my parents were all, and this is going to sound, my, my parents were wonderful people, by the way, wonderful, wonderful people. Um, but they were like, hey, you know, you can only limit how much playing time you have with white kids because we don't want you bringing their behavior back home. Oh, so, so really? That is exactly how it is. Because they don't want you to bring a naughty white kid behavior yeah, <laughs> talking back to their parents. <laughs> So, and as a, as a child, you don't quite understand. You understand yeah. that there's a difference. You don't understand what the difference wow. is. So, and, and but what it taught me though was that, and I, and I say this on the show a lot of times, that there's two Americas, and not that there's it's bad that there's two Americas, but it's just you have to know and understand certain things. And one America is yeah. in the other America, similar to your point of touching the hair or kind of invading a personal space. Yeah. So this whole social distancing thing has been personal space. The, the term was called personal space before. <laughs> it was but so, but and that's something as far as in the black community, it's always kind of been a respect thing of having personal space, right? But that is a cultural difference. A that cultural is actually difference. a cultural exactly. difference. So, yeah, I do. So small things like a cultural difference yeah. like that is the reason why I say two Americas because if you don't understand it, that's a difference. Yes. Like so now a lot of your actions that are considered, you know, you know, microaggression or whatever are just simply you don't understand <laughs> that in this culture that's deemed disrespect. Yeah. Like Chinese culture, I, and and 
they might be Chinese, it might be Korean, I'm sorry again. Oh I'm my out. gosh, that is definitely a microaggression. I have no problem with <laughs> you know, Asian right. culture you're sorry. talking about. Right. Okay. But, but to, to, to illustrate my point, is why, is why I'm using this. Um, in some cultures, to put money in someone's hand is a form of disrespect. To actually touch their hand mm. is disrespect. So they put the money on the counter and slide it to them. And that's just simply their culture. So it's not a sense of them trying to be disrespectful by, I don't want to touch your skin because, yeah. you know, it's, it's just in their culture. So, again, by having two Americas, you got two separate cultures. They have to learn from one another and learn the other side of this. So you have those easier, because a lot of things, like, especially like stuff like names and stuff, because there's Russian names that I couldn't pronounce. If it's sure, name. yeah. Um, so, so it's not, and, and, but so I don't see those type of things as being like overtly racist or uh, I guess what's the, uh, a purpose or, or yeah okay. yeah no I get it I, I it's my it's my opinion that probably ninety nine point nine percent of what we call racism in America these days is cultural misunderstandings exactly. as somebody who's exactly. lived in both communities right. I definitely see that there are just things where I'm like no I I just know that that white person just doesn't understand that about us yeah. they just don't they know don't, they don't know yeah. that what they did was disrespectful. Right. Or, or, or not even right. disrespectful. It doesn't even have to go to this. They don't know that what they did was annoying. Right, right. And it's just like, you know, like, the white people that want to touch Ruby's hair, my daughter's hair, are like, they are, they love it and they love that it is so different. And to them, they're like, I want you to know that I think this hair is beautiful. Yeah. You know? Even, yeah. Even stuff like, like, you know how many times, again, that I've been asked if I can rap or play basketball? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe I'm just not, maybe you were a guy that had a helmet on all the time. 
No. Uh, but that you is. Fit, you fit the body. Type. You fit the body. So it, it, is it a micro? Would I call that a microaggression? No. I would just say that. I don't think that person is telling is is being racist towards my husband. They're making an assumption. <laughs> They're making an assumption, and you know what they say about assumptions. Right. You know. Yes. Make an ass out of you and umption. Let's see what happens. So, so saying this in this new cancel culture that we that we currently live in. So somebody, so your husband's jogging, we'll say, yeah, and then somebody catches records a neighbor asking him, "Hey, are you? Yeah, uh, you know, ex- what team do you play for? Something like that." Now if he has a reaction to it. Now that becomes labeling this neighbor as a racist. Right. They said something right. not understanding, right. triggered a reaction, yeah. and then now you're a racist because what you said triggered this reaction. Yeah. So now everybody should be mad at what you said, even though what you said is like you said. Yeah. There's 15 other. Right, there's 15 ex Laker players in like this five block radius. That's where it comes to the, to the misunderstanding part yeah. because. It's like you said, it's a general assumption, but once the narrative and the message gets out, oh, you said that because it's black. Yeah. And my husband's response, I was just, no. <laughs> no. I'm just a banker. What was your comment? I was just going to say something about the hair thing. Yeah. Because I remember um, I remember the first time you mentioned something like that. I think it was a few years ago when we were in Vegas and Ruby was younger, you know. And um, I remember thinking whenever I heard you talk about that, uh, it was it was the first time I'd ever heard anyone uh, talk about uh, a little kid having, uh, or I guess uh, about that being annoying, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. because I'm from the deep south, and uh, growing up, uh, kids did not have autonomy, you know, like, if you wanted to go up and, uh, you know, it, it didn't matter if you wanted to be hugged by your uncle or Right, you were the kid. You were the kid, you were going to get a hug and kiss on the cheek whether you wanted to or not. So, so if my dad had met Ruby, he would have been all right. um, So, Mm. when you were talking about cultures, that's a good point. um, I mean, I've never, that was like, I was like, well, yeah, that makes sense. But I didn't grow up in a world where that was. Respect, so, right, you know. where you have space as a yeah. child, no, right? You know, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. Cheeks, yeah. yeah, and you just put up with True. it because that's how it was, you know? right? That's exactly right. We're right. talking about cultures, there's not just two, America's so huge, yes. oh, there's yes. so yes. many, you know. So, you yes. go, that's why we talk about travel is so good because, yes, travel is so good. See how it is, it's different, you know. Yeah, right. and, but that and, is that's my dream too to have a non profit that, uh help students travel across yeah. the United States yeah. and internationally. Yeah. I think it changes you yeah. who you are yeah. when you travel. And I've been all over, which is why I think I can have these conversations and not feel really weird or because I know, I, I, and honestly, like, I've had terrible experiences, you know? I've shared my experience growing up with you guys and what that was like for me, but I've met far more wonderful yeah. people yeah. in this country than than not. I, I'm, I'm going to be honest, and, and again, this is and growing up in the, in the neighborhood that was predominantly white. I've met great people that I've heard say terrible things. Like, right. You know, yeah. I, I've heard True. you say terrible things. I've heard. Yeah. Now, as a kid, I didn't equate the jokes that you, you know, that yeah. you were making then went over my head. But as I got older, I was like, oh, you did make, you know, but you are a great person. You're a uh, 
open heart surgeon that does pro bono work yeah. for the inner city and all these other things. And then I just heard you say the N word five times in a barbecue. Yeah. Yeah, you know, so it, 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 it's those type of relationships too that you need because you need to see that there can be people that are good people that says something terrible. Like and, then, True. and then there can be somebody that is a terrible person that says something terrible. So good. Then, you know, yeah. And, and then you have to kind of separate the two. You can't stereotype and put everybody in the box. And that's where you, you find out. Yeah, that people are a lot because even black people, black people in the South are going to be a lot different than black people in Michigan or black people in New York City. Or, you know, the, even among us, we had a lot of cultural differences. Even who we consider black, yeah, you know, that's yeah. a whole other conversation. Yeah, too. I don't blame, yeah, I don't blame white people for being confused because <laughs> a lot of times we don't. You know, we have conversations about who there are groups of black people who wouldn't consider themselves black Americans. They consider themselves Africans. Of African descent or Caribbean descent. So there's all that. Hey everyone, Kira Davis here. If you're like me, you're always looking for new ways to be healthier, be more fit. Well, eating better is easier than ever with Factors Delicious ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there's more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You've got your two-minute meals. You can fuel up fast with Factors restaurant-quality meals. They're ready to heat and eat whenever you are. You've got pancakes, smoothies, and a lot more than that. Discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. No prep, no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. I like this part a lot. Factor is flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. My husband and I travel a lot for work, and some weeks we need more meals than others. So that is a huge plus. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. <laughs> I'm raising my hand. I'm not a very good cook, so I love that. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. And y'all, don't we all want to save more money these days? Don't we all need to save more money these days so you can save money and eat right? What's not to love here? Well, check this out. If you go over to factormeals.com slash JLTY50 and you use code JLTY50, you'll get 50% off. Talk about saving money. So factor, F-A-C-T-O-R, factormeals.com slash J-L-T-Y 50 and use my code, my code, J-L-T-Y 50 and you'll get 50% off. That's code J-L-T-Y 50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Eating better has never been easier. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
hot topics, celebrity news, in-depth interviews, and a whole lot more. It's the Outlaws Radio Show. Listen on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast today. That's the Outlaws Radio Show. I want to keep us moving here. So I uh, another piece of advice. Who got Wendy, this was you. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, uh, and then you grab, let's do two. Okay. You first. So this uh, has to do with uh, creativity, creating, yes. but it can apply to other things, too. Uh, somebody um, taught me, uh, if you're trying to do something, anything, create a piece of art or whatever, um, don't wait until it's perfect, until you think you've got it perfect. Just put it out there, you know. Uh, uh, don't wait to have something perfected, because you'll never have it perfected. Um about critical race theory, so I thought, I'll read the book. I'll do the work that you all don't want to do. I will take one for the team. Thank you. And then I lost it, so I bought a new copy, and then I found it, so 
Enjoy. Take that home to your husband. Who I think most he, I think he might have read it. Oh, he'll hate it. Um, it's a book about by Robin DiAngelo, but basically why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. And basically, the the concept of the book is that white people are inherently racist, and that is why they can't talk about it. But but what I don't like about the book, I won't give because I'm going to have a whole show on this. But what I don't like about it is that. Robin DiAngelo, the person who wrote it, is white, and she seems to be the only white person who gets out from under. That she just writes 500 pages on how white people are inherently racist and how there's literally nothing you can. She has no solutions in here so far. This is literally literally nothing you can do. What you have to do is just fade away, fade away. You can't argue. But she's the one. She's the one white person that got away from it. So it's like, yeah. So here's the so I have a weird theory. Is so much strange, and I, I feel like any any native I'm not gonna say Native American, but any white male over the age of say seventy to seventy five is racist. It, <laughs> and, 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 and the reason I say this, right, and, 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 and it's not just the stereotype and all that other type of stuff, but if you have if your if your foundation is rooted in racism. So if you have somebody that's a 75-year-old white man, mm-hmm. if you figure their first 15 to 20 years of life on this planet was rooted in racism, rooted in Jim Crow, rooted in white supremacy, <coughs> and then you tell them at 22, 23, hey, change your mind. It's right. Then what you're talking about is cultural, right? Like a, a cultural zeitgeist that like you're baked in it. You're kind yeah. of baked in it, right? And, and but I don't I disagree with you because that assumes that every white this is what this book is about, right? That's that every white person, that that is automatically their experience. And that's not necessarily the experience of every white man over the age of 75 in America. It might feel like that because we think of southern part of the United States. But there was there is more, there's more experience like that isn't necessary. Now, the other thing that you're talking about too is what we deem racism, right? Culturally speaking, we in 15 years, everybody in this room is going to be a racist, no matter where you stand on any issue, right? right? And so for you, you might, it, is that guy a racist or is that guy just a 75-year-old white man? Right, but, here, but here, here's my response to that, is that we're assuming that I'm saying racism is black and white. You have, you have some 75-year-old white man that are completely against J- Japanese because of the war. Yeah. Okay, what about a 75 year old black man? It's racist. So anybody <laughs> over 75 is racist? Probably racist. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where to go with that. All right, Red. Best piece of advice you ever got. All right, I'm going to preface this with my grandfather was a retired steel worker. And he's a racist, you know that, right? It's not like we headed down the racist road. He was a little bit, but his friend was the black police chief. Everybody had the black He was probably racist. But also, like, a little not. Okay. Okay. All right, we'll go with that. We'll go with that. Little racist and a little not. Okay. All right. The best piece of advice he gave me is pay yourself first because shit. We don't do that enough, especially those of us who work for ourselves. I just you know? paid bills yesterday. It was terrible. It was terrible. Yeah, it was, it was, it's horrible. All right. I got paid and then paid bills, and I had like a like it's 
demoralizing. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, when my, my husband and I were first married, and uh, like he gets paid on Wednesdays. It gets paid weekly, actually, which is nice. But every week, it'd be like, waiting, Wednesday. Uh, it's Wednesday. Oh, finally, this paycheck is here. And then it's like, wait, where did all the money go? The money it's like, I paid bills. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, we're back down to $10. We're like, we're overdrawn. The worst like, thing yeah. that they created was auto pay. Yeah. Oh, that was terrible because I don't even uh-huh. know when it comes out. I just look up on the 13th randomly and be like, what did I do? No! <laughs> um, all right, let's see what, what good stuff is in here for Red. This, all this stuff is great. Oh, whoopee cushions. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, get, we'll get the kids with those. <laughs> gonna, we're running out of time. I didn't want this show to be more than 90 minutes, so we're, we're crawling up on that. So I'm going to open this up to you guys. This is your opportunity. But it's probably never going to be like this again, where it's like a nice small crowd. So any question, and you're safe. This is a safe space. So any question, and that is how I I run everything, which is um, there are no dumb questions. There are no, uh, well, there are dumb people. But they're not my fans. (laughs) But also, as you guys know, I just think, we have to, if we're going to get anywhere, we have to have a space where people can say the cringy things, where people can ask the awkward questions without feeling judged, without feeling uh, alienated, because you can't respond to a bad idea that you can't hear. So if somebody has a bad idea about something, I want to hear those questions. I want to, you know, I don't want to turn people away, oh, you're an idiot, you racist, or I can't even believe you asked that question. I want, it, I want people to have the opportunity to ask the questions that will help enlighten them, you know? I mean, and I, I don't think it's fair that a lot of people in, in this day and age, even asking the question is enough to get canceled. Like, you're supposed to just be born into this world already knowing everything and how everyone is. And, and that's not how it is. We, we got it, we can't be afraid. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask Alex to kind of close it out. I'm going to send you on your way. Um, But tell people where they can find your stuff, anything that you want them to know about you and the show. Or maybe just your life. Maybe you just want them to know that you don't rap and you don't play basketball. I do do not rap and do not play basketball. I can't believe you don't play basketball. I feel like those are, I'm I'm 5'8". So, <laughs> my, my basketball career ended early. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't have, like, those middle school years where I still anticipating that growth spurt. Yeah. Like, that was one of my basketball years. Then once people had them and I didn't, that, that's where it stopped. So, you're like, I just got to be smart. I got to be smart. Because <laughs> you know, they got these books in this library over here. I just go look and dig into these. Yep. Um, but... Nap, thank you for having first of all, thank you for having me Thank you Absolutely. for being here with us. I had a great time talking to you. Um, the podcast is Nap, not another political podcast. Um, the Alan does this. It's the Twitter is correct me if I'm wrong, Darvio, but the Nap Cast. Yes. The there we there we go. I first time I did that. So <laughs> um, the Twitter is the Nap Cast, T H E N A P P Cast. Um, I also have to do this uh, shout out Australia because we have people that listen to us from Australia. Nice. Uh, yeah. So I always shout them out because I just appreciate the fact somebody. I wonder what, 
what we sound right. like the people in Australia, that's you know, the I'm stuff we talk about. about. Yeah, that's what about they like listen to and go? Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. I, I keep trying to um, lobby for a show. Somebody, you know, fan that just, you know, fanatic yeah. fan that just wants to bring us out. Yes, <laughs> we have a lot of listeners in Nigeria. I keep saying we need to go on a Nigerian tour. Great. Give them the catchphrase before you leave. Oh, I can say it? I, I'm on someone else's show. We'll bleep it. We'll bleep it. We'll bleep it. Oh, the fuck Joe Biden? Yeah. <laughs> 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 I uh, fuck Joe Biden. All right, fair enough. All right, yeah. thank you. Thank well, you before you go, I'm going to let you choose a prize out of here. Topics, celebrity news, in-depth interviews, and a whole lot more. It's the Outlaws Radio Show. Listen on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcast today. That's the Outlaws Radio Show. Let's do Q and A. Does anybody have anything that they've wanted to ask me? It can be about the show. It can be about my life. It can be about politics. It can be about whatever you want. Open the door to this. Yes, ma'am. What's your take on the previous administration not being um, relieved of duty, for lack of a better word? Of uh, the election? Uh, the election? You won't know what I think about the election. No, well, no, I want to know what you think about Trump not being impeached. Does it have, or in your opinion, uh, a negative or positive uh, impact on Because if you if you recall, and I know you, you have, every time we have a Republican president, we go, that's a racist in the office. And so Trump is no different, and that just inflamed racial tensions the well, way it always has. I beg to differ in but, that we know the kind of the circumstances by which he was brought up for impeachment, and that is different from any other president. Yeah, my opinion on the impeachment trials is that it was a show trial. Yeah, I don't think it was a valuable use of Americans' time. I think it created more division when we didn't need it. But also, the thing is, is that what happens, this is what I love about America. 
is if you don't like that process, if you don't like how that turned out, you get a say. You know, you get to go to the ballot box and say, I don't like this. And so I didn't care for, I think that this guy was X, Y, Z. I didn't, I think that the, he should have been impeached and, and I think he should have gone and he didn't. So bye. And that's what happened, right? So now he's gone. Yeah. So you get to participate in that process. I disagree that the impeachment trial was worth it. I disagree that there was any there there because my job is to read beyond headlines and to know what the real stories are. So I disagree with that. But at the same time, Americans get to have a mini revolution at the ballot box every four years. And that is that's why I really generally feel, I genuinely feel like it's okay for us to disagree about politics heatedly and passionately because we all get to show up at the ballot box and have our say. And if this person doesn't do it for us, nationally speaking, obviously your individual vote is going to get absorbed into millions and millions of votes. But national speak, nationally speaking, if this person doesn't do it for us, we get to show up and say we want, we want someone else. And so I think in that respect, we don't have to hate each other because of politics. We don't have to look at each other as as unworthy or racist or idiots because we think differently because we can have the conversations one-on-one, -on -one, but the only thing that counts is the ballot box, and we all get that say at the ballot box. So, I don't know if I really answered your question, but that is, yeah, I don't, I don't see the impeachment, I don't think the same way that you do or maybe other others will, so I don't know that I'll be able to give you the answer that you're looking for, but I don't I think it was a waste of time, and I think it's even a waste of time that we're we talk so much about Trump now. He's not the president, and so I kind of wish like we would stop. Let's like we got to move on. We got to move on. Yeah, he's not the president, and it didn't work out. So next, all right. Thank you for that question. Anybody else? No. Okay. me once, because we were in some of the only black people in our suburb, 
besides, you know, the athletes or whatever that are <laughs> my neighbors, the famous people. Um, hey, Kira, how do, you literally asked, how do I get more black people into this church? You know, and again, that's a situation where I could take that as a microaggression or I could take this as a guy who's like a white guy who doesn't really know any other black people and is asking me what my opinion is. And of course, my opinion is always going to be gospel first. Always gospel first. I think um, uh, Daryl Harrison, a lot of you guys listen to Daryl Harrison's podcast, he talks about that a lot. I think the church can be just as guilty of making an idol of race as, as the sec secular world. So we have to make sure that we're not making an idol. But at the same time, we have to make sure that people who are different from us feel welcome crossing the threshold. So what's that? Because to my answer to my pastor was, you need to make this service longer than 90 minutes. You need to be more animated. You need to get rid of the skinny jeans uh, rock band. And have, but that's what we, that's what generally speaking, the black people in this area, that's what they want. And so you're, what you're asking is for how do you change the culture in your church? Is that the question you should be asking? It's not that black people don't come here because they think they're not welcome. They don't like your service, you know? <laughs> Most people don't want to listen to a rock band. You know, in, in black, if I go to the black church, I'm having a totally different experience. So, and that's okay. You know, that's, oh, that is the thing, that that is okay. As Christians, we shouldn't be afraid of that. But we do have an obligation to make sure that we are open enough so that when somebody does walk in, in over the threshold, that we're not, like, making them feel uncomfortable because this culture looks so different from theirs. Like, I have walked into churches where, you know, as soon as you step in, it's just like the record skips, and I'm just like, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, like, oh, you don't, uh, I, I'll tell you, I'll tell you this true story. Most awkward church experience I've ever had. I went to South Dakota, went home with a friend for college. She was from South Dakota, and like, the Black Hills, like, she was from ranch country. It was the kind of place where we drove We drove from school, took us like six hours to get there, and then once you hit the border of South Dakota, you're driving another two hours into the middle of nowhere where her family owned a ranch. Her mom was the teacher at the only schoolhouse in their county. And there were 14 children in that schoolhouse. That's how, this is how sparsely, like, I was literally in the middle of nowhere. Didn't know where I was, who I was with, and, of course, owned the only black person that anybody around there had seen. Her mom, you know, you, you, you might want to make judgments about these people, but, by the way, her mom was an educated woman, and to this day is one of just a few people who speak native Sioux in the country, and she was a consultant on Kevin Costner's movie, Dances with Wolves. So don't think that these people were backwards just because they live on a ranch in the country. Her dad was military. He had been all over the world. Uh, so they weren't backwards redheads, but they obviously were ignorant in some ways. They hadn't seen anyone like me. So lovely experience. I loved the family. We had a good time. We went to church. The church has probably got 45, 50 people in it most. And it was one of those churches that you see on TV. Like, in the middle of nowhere, like this white clapboard and like a bell and it's the middle of this field. And it was just like surreal. And I walk in and no one paid a, a lick of attention to the pastor, 
the whole time. Every single person's eyes were just trained on me. And I never felt, I'm used to being the odd man out, but I never felt so uncomfortable. I could just feel these stares boring into the back of my head. And so afterwards, when the, when the service was over, every single person, every single one had a, oh, I just want to meet. I'm so glad you're here thinking, nice. Yeah. But uh, very like aggressively, like like I just want to make. We're so glad you're here, you know, because you're so different. And it's like I've never felt so uncomfortable in a church, and not I didn't have any ill will towards those people. I knew that for them, I was something that they had never seen. But no gospel was heard that day, you know. And that is the thing. Do they need to hire a gospel choir and make sure that they, they live in the middle of nowhere? How are they going to get more black people into their church, you know? Their church is about feeding the soul, not, not satisfying some need for diversity. But at the same time, when you have the opportunity, someone does cross the threshold, what are you doing to make that person feel welcome? What are you doing to make that person feel like they're home? Because if you're a Christian, then anywhere you go, if you walk into somebody's church, you should be home. You're in your father's house. So, yeah. So I, did I, I didn't even answer the question. I don't know what the answer is. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it, it, it's difficult. But what I don't like, is, and I feel this is happening too much, is the church is making uh, diversity an idol. And you don't need to do that because what, Jesus is, is what? That's the attraction, right? And he is a outside of race and time. And, and, and when, when we try to limit him to that, we're really doing the amazing message of the gospel, a, a disservice. So, yeah. Thank you. And, and good luck to that. I don't think you need to be making extra things because then that gets weird too, right? Like, <laughs> hey, look, we're, we're hiring the gospel choir so more black people will come in. Really? Like, you know, what do you do? Nothing. I, I just think that when those people come, you just open them, like welcome them with open arms just the way um, that you would want to be treated and you don't need to look at them as special or like, oh my gosh, guys, the black person's here. <laughs> we did it. Just to be open and, and be like, welcome home. You know, welcome home. All right. Anybody else? No? I tried. Can you come up and answer any of those? You ask all your questions. You ask all your questions on our subscriber page, so yeah. that's fair enough. Well, I want to thank everybody uh, for coming out tonight. Thank you. Thank you. I want to thank my producer, Darvio, and I want to thank. Um, Alex, and thank you for being my guinea pigs. And I've had such a great time tonight. I'm definitely going to be doing more of these. So I look forward to it. And I would love to see more and more people like be willing to sit and like engage in hard conversations. And I want to say thank you to you guys because um, I think that it's really, unfortunately, it's a brave thing to be able to ask tough questions or hard questions or be willing to learn. That is the thing that surprised me the most about Just Listen to Yourself, is how much response I have had from people who are like, I don't necessarily understand this, but like, I wanna, I wanna learn. 
or I heard this point of view and thought, gosh, I never really looked at it like that before. You know, my, my, my biggest episode is the one on Black Lives Matter, you know, the difference between the organization and the sentiment and how, you know, just even pointing out different things about the realities of being a black person in America, where some people might be like, you know what, you're just being a reverse racist. But there are more people who said, you made me think about this in a way that I had never considered before. Do you know how much effort it takes? Why do you think that it's so easy to just run headlines these days and that that's what everybody runs with? It actually takes physical energy to change your mind about something. And a lot of people are lazy. And just because you hear a different truth doesn't mean you will change your mind, but the fact that you're open to changing your mind, the fact that you're, okay, you know what? I did get what you're saying. I still don't agree with it, but I didn't think about it that way before. So that's something I'm going to consider moving forward. It's an invaluable skill. The more people that we can encourage to have that attitude, I think the better off we're all going to be. So thank you, everybody. Let's go get some drinks. The FCB Radio Network. First class broadcasting worldwide.